0: OTB Sports Rugby.
1: Ross at 10th. Probably the media were a bit harsh on him over the last few years because from what I saw inside the doors, someone who's calm and can make plays happen. Everyone, I think, is really comfortable with him.
0: Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.
1: Rugby on off the ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in. We're going to turn to the rugby now because France, Scotland more than delivered. In the uh, events uh, stake, it was very eventful from minute one. Alison Miller, Irish International with us in the line. Hi, Alison.
0: Hi, Joe. How are you?
1: Great. I know we'll primarily talk about Ireland Italy in a few moments, but you kept half an eye on France Scotland. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where you start, really. Intermac uh, scored a try after just a couple of minutes. And then uh, Grant Gilchrist was sent off straight red card. Then uh, Demortier scored another try just moments after that. So uh, you were thinking pretty much this is no contest. Then uh, Mohammed House got himself sent off. Crazy red card. That was on 12 minutes. This is all still inside 12 minutes. Then France scored another try. So at about the 18, 19 minute mark, we thought, well, they're now both down to 14 men. But France are 19 nil up. So there's no real way back for Scotland. But Scotland, to their tre- credit, got back into the game. And when Finn Russell scored on 67 minutes, there was just four points in the game at that stage. It was 25-21. In the end, uh, Fiku scored France's fourth try and almost like Mack Hansen yesterday put France out of sight with that four-point gap, uh, you know, on 67 minutes. So Scottish pack did very well, got themselves back into the game. Uh, you just kind of chalk it up as... Um, uh, wonderfully entertaining what would you say about the performances of both sides
0: yeah i think um <clears throat> France are certainly not certainly not looking the team they were at the moment obviously they won and they put some very good patches of play together like gail fico, fico was excellent um some really nice uh parts of their game but i think in terms of like their defense at the moment it just doesn't look cohesive um you have people coming up in dribs and drabs and it would have been kind of a hallmark for sean edwards defense how well united they were in that defensive structure last year, but it's something looks a bit off. I think in that, and um, I suppose they look a little bit, um, I don't say tired, but maybe heavy or whatever the word is. They're 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 playing good rugby, but I don't think they're at the level they were at last year. Or they're not performing as they were they were. Like you, I thought after like whatever it was, five six minutes was going to just get worse, and I just thought, oh, well, this is going to be a terrible game, but. Uh, Scotland came back into the game. They might rue the chances. Or they might rue the chances they got. Quite like Ireland yesterday, there was times they were in the 22, and they weren't clinical and they didn't finish off their scores. But also the start they got didn't help. And you know when it was tight, that tight at the end, towards the end, they might rue the bad start that they got and that they were constantly chasing. So um, you know, had they got a better start, things might have been a bit um, fairer for them. But they had some really good performances um, around the park.
1: Uh, France is such an interesting case because I think last year, given the age profile and and given how much the Galtier tenure has been um, all about the World Cup, we just assumed everything's in order. They're only going to be better again in 2023. Um, Even the defence point you mentioned, we thought, well, Edwards has this sorted out now. I mean, it's not going to take a backward step. And a few injuries notwithstanding, there is something of a malaise there. Ireland made them look ordinary-ish at times. Uh, Scotland again did very well in Paris against them and, and and you mentioned the defensive issues it's uh, really interesting I, I, I like they had an extraordinary year last year uh, unbeaten who knows maybe there is a degree of hangover we just all talked about it in terms of the World Cup but uh, maybe it did take more out of them than we had realized
0: yeah or you don't know what way they're kind of like periodizing their training like to go all out for a World Cup and and um, who knows, but they're definitely don't look at their like they're buying in. I think, in terms of even their overall game plan, I think there's probably a little bit of lack of cohesion. They don't look like they're all on the same page. Look, they're phenomenal players there. Penno, the strength of that like ball carrying winger, they've just talent all around the park, but yeah. it's just something a little bit off. And it's hard to kind of really figure out what that is. Like, I think, as you said, Ireland opened them up um, quite easily at times. And like, you know, we always knew about the French flair, the French attacking flair. It was always just something they had to get to their fence right with that to make them a complete team. But um, are they kind of going back to their old ways? I don't know. Is it fatigue? They play a lot of rugby in the top 14. Are guys tired? Do they need a break? Um, It's hard to tell.
1: Yes. With the view to round four at Murrayfield, uh, Scotland down to 14 men early, down 19-0 away from home. If... There's something wrong in that squad, or or, or in, in in the character and personality of that squad, or the team spirit. Uh, that's the moment at which you just really start shipping water for them to come back to within four points in Paris on sixty-seven minutes. I think uh, if anyone was in any doubt, Murrayfield's going to be sticky.
0: Yeah, it is going to be sticky, and I think look, it would have been a very different case um, next week or the week after if. um, Scotland won that would have been a big big game for Ireland but at the same time they're going to be hurt after this and they're you know they're going to come out and it's, it's, it can be as, as I think Simon Zebo was on the TV today it's a hostile place to go to so Ireland will have to be you know at their best and, and playing good rugby um, and you know fix those small things that went wrong at the weekend
1: mm. on the two red cards so Grant Gilchrist early on it was uh, shoulder to head. There was no real mitigation. I suppose what, uh, f- uh, you know, fully damned him was that he had his right arm tucked tight against his body and the shoulder went into the face of Gellange. So there was no effort to wrap either. It's a clear red card.
0: Yeah, clear red. And I think the game has got that way. And Like, players just got to be better at their tackle technique. They can't be putting their, their teams in those... Um, situations which is happening every day in rugby but um, it's there for a reason it's to make the game safer so look that's the most important thing to all the players and you know in years to come they'll be they'll be thankful that this approach was there but for the moment you know it's it can be difficult for teams and players to try and, and like navigate through it
1: Gilchrist is a pretty good track record uh, Mohammed House uh, who was subsequently sent off for France he doesn't he was sent off in Murrayfield a couple of years ago for throwing a punch
0: yeah, this one isn't
1: good. No. and this So this was on 12 minutes. You're France. You're two tries to the good. You're against 14 men. Things are going great. And, you know, I, I suspect this will count against him with a World Cup coming into view because they just can't uh, allow for this to be possible. They'll, they'll throw away a big game when it really counts. And... Ben White the Scottish scrum half was in that vulnerable position that scrum halves are in where he was he's 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 head down to pick up the ball you could only really describe it as like a diving headbutt on the House's part
0: yeah like as you said like they're up they're winning it's early on in the game like they're not under like e- like they're under pressure defensively obviously but they're not under pressure in terms of the clock being in red and 80 minutes and they're you know they're trying to win the ball back like you I mean they had a lot of time left in that game um not to be forced into doing something crazy at that stage. So look, that's like an individual thing and his track record you know doesn't look good um for him. Sometimes players like that they're hard to carry when they're liable to they can be a liability like and they're liable to do anything at any given stage like as I said that there there wasn't a need for that at the time.
1: What was very striking is <laughs> uh the referee said I'm not seeing a high danger in this. And it was uh, like call on Mike saying this and, and I suppose thankfully, unlike with uh Wayne Barnes in Dublin, his assistant didn't just look at his feet. His assistant said, Well, actually, hang on and pointed out the danger of the situation. And to be fair then to the referee, he listened to his assistant and upgraded it to a red, which is kind of what you want to happen in these situations if fair enough referee doesn't see it. It's not a great interpretation, but at least his mistake was preempted.
0: Yeah, like You know, like obviously in a game is hard and he might not have been in the right position to actually see it. So it was good that it was highlighted because um, it's not a good look for rugby when these things are, We won't say, it's not that they're ignored, but they could be missed in those opportunities. So for the, yeah, to have good authority um, to to pull that up and, you know, get it checked is, is really, really important for the game and the game in the future.
1: So Scotland in in very good nick ahead of Murrayfield and France, uh, not quite themselves, but they do win and they'll be hoping for an Irish rival before the end of this championship. Let's talk Italy 20, Ireland 34. (coughs) In the main... Yeah, great game. Yeah, well, it's funny. Like, ordinarily, I mean, Ireland beat Italy by by big margins over the last three years. You have to go back to that awful 2019 year, the last time they struggled against Italy. So ordinarily of late, if Ireland uh, had had a sketchy period against Italy like they did in the second half, we'd all be scratching our heads and saying, how worried should we be? But you you said, it. great game and, and Italy played their partner. great game. They are genuinely improving.
0: Yeah, they really are improving and like, um, they're a very fit team. I think there was, uh, Ireland talk a lot about being fit. I think equal, uh, Italy were equally as fit as Ireland during the game. Um, Italy looked to go wide a lot. Um, it wasn't always on and sometimes they were playing quite deep and lateral. But at times they... Um, came back at inside shoulders of Ireland and got some change of it. Um obviously Ireland had some issues in the centre, um, lack of cohesion and then that was affecting James Lowe's defence and it was all a little bit off. And I think fair play to the Italians, they possibly would have highlighted that, that they saw Ring Roses out and that there would be two predominant twelves, I suppose, in that um, centre partnership and they, they were getting changed from the 13 channel. And it's just something I suppose for to be mindful of most of our centres at the moment are twelve. Uh, Henshaw's played most with rugby at twelve. and I know he's played thirteen, but if we get to a scenario in a World Cup where uh, Ringrose um, is not available, we need someone to be able to defend that thirteen channel comfortably. Yeah, and I think Ringrose is a superb player, but I think we probably don't notice all the work he does in defence till he's not there. You know, he just does it so well; it's so hard to defend. But um. That was obviously an issue. Look, it was rectified at times, but um, definitely, you know, they haven't played together much. But um, something for the future, you know, they're all predominantly 12s. Can we get some of these guys maybe get a little bit of game time with 13 for their provinces? The provinces can't be forced to do these things. But it might be something that needs to be looked at um, because uh, Italy definitely exposed us Mm. in that channel. Um but Ireland played some great rugby. I think oh, like a few years ago we were crying out for Ireland to to offload the ball. And the speed of the rook ball that we have now, that ability to offload, is just is cutting up teams. And I think um that's a huge difference. Like three of our tries came from offloads. And another thing is we're just taking the right option. Um James Lowe had his hand in, in a few tries yesterday, but Ireland are passing the ball at the right times, like you know, for uh was it Aki's try? Um, low could have gone himself. Other players in low scenarios of Ireland of, of before would have, you know, tried to take it themselves. But they're doing the right thing nearly all of the time. So um, we got another try from a goal line dropout. They tried to the stay move, didn't work. But the goal line dropout is becoming a really important um, attacking weapon. First, it's essentially a, a set piece. So you know, Ireland gets to be oh, quite imaginative of what they do often. And, and like we've, we've sh- scored a try two weeks running from it. So um that's really good to see. It's really good to see that.
1: It is very encouraging from an Irish point of view that there's now a lot of tape for other teams to study and they're still not managing to stem the flow. And and Andy Farrell, <laughs> it's becoming his, uh, his regular point after games. God, oh, we could have scored a lot more tries, which again uh, shows the creativity that's flowing through the side.
0: Yeah, like, obviously um James Lowe's opportunity Bundyaki's opportunity in the 22 when we didn't we weren't clinical enough to finish our examples there was a five or six I think um scenarios where he could have scored um, so it just shows that we're like we're creating those opportunities and they're there but um we just gotta finish them now mm. but I think um there was some great tries scored and I think like the subs that came on when they came on yesterday like Omani uh, Baird, Sheen, they made a huge difference and um Conor Murray looked great, he looked back to his best. Um and I think with this um Andy Farrell team, they talk a lot about being themselves on the pitch and like I know that they're all saying that and they're enjoying camp and they're they're loving playing rugby. But like I think that's probably fairly obvious when you have Conor Murray come off the bench and he has the confidence to to snipe at the rook like he used to and yeah. get that offload away to Hansen who's brilliantly trailing, you know, behind the rook. Just hiding in there, looking for an opportunity. Uh, Andy Farrell talks about like his wingers being untidy and wanting to come off their wings, get involved, look for work. And Hansen did that really well. And I thought Hansen's uh, subtlety of hands yesterday was very, very good, um, mm. especially for Keenan's try. Um, he was good. And I just think these things are like really important for this Irish team. I suppose maybe an area of where they could improve, we, we did get cut open by Italy at times, and I think um, we can sometimes be a little bit vulnerable um, from teams that like to run or play a little bit unpredictable. Um, in November against Fiji, now look, it was a very changed team, but at yeah. times we just looked exposed. Sometimes in the wider channels, sometimes when a team will do what's unexpected in that given moment, like you, you think a oh, team's maybe going to exit the, uh, any sensibly would exit in this scenario, but they then decide to run or mm. do something unexpected. And I think maybe at times that's where we um could improve. Um our defense probably wasn't where it should have been. It was twenty uh, twenty plus missed tackle. So that's something um that will have that they'll have to look at. Obviously yeah. some of that coming from uh the centre partnership. But um yeah I just think at times we just look a little bit exposed from like Italy were running from deep and they were at times going laterally, but, you know, they got behind us and um, they they were good. Like, you know, there's some great players. Canone is the number eight, you know, Garbisi, Capuzzo, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, these are all very dangerous players and they're playing a, like a new brand of rugby. And I think like it's really important for the Six Nations and World Rugby that Italy are competitive. And like there are so little teams in World Rugby that, can win a world cup or be competitive, but we need a team like Italy. That's in a really important competition, like the six nations to be doing what they did yesterday. And to be, as they said themselves, like um, Crowley said, he's they're not, they're not happy with that. They're not here for Mm. moral victories. They thought they could have a crack at Ireland. They didn't. And they'd be disappointed about that. And I think, um, towards the end when they kicked and they had an overlap, like that's a missed opportunity for them. That, um, that they didn't take advantage
1: of. Yeah. If we dig into that defensive point for a moment, Ireland had 27 missed tackles. They had 20 in the Was first it? half yeah. alone. So Ireland yeah. did, Ireland had more missed tackles in the first half than Italy had in the entire game. Italy had 18 across the entire game. That's kind of an extraordinary statistic. So I, I absolutely accept, and an akin to the Fiji game, it's a side that they've never really played together before from nine through to 13. They're all uh, feeling each other out a touch. On the ring rose point, though, like it sounds like you're pretty much saying no one there is ever really going to get up to speed with where he is. Is, is it just in terms of the the many small decisions he's making across 80 minutes? That's the difference. Like if Aki was given time at 13, would he would he get up there or you're not so sure? Yeah,
0: like it's a it's a combination of things. It's, it's time playing there. It's it's your experience to know. How to defend, when to hold, when to push, um, when to trust, and like there was times I suppose Aki was pushing out too early and getting caught um, on his inside, going too early. Um, You know, it, it it's been used to playing with the player inside you, but it's also being in those scenarios countless times where you have to make these really split decisions really quick, and like Ringrose is playing there like a lot, so he he's he's made mistakes and he's he's recovered and he's, he's learned. So yeah. not saying that Aki can't uh, figure it out, but I think, as I said, maybe like we're very dominant in 12s and yes, maybe some of these guys need to get in those scenarios where they're, it's a different position. It's different yeah. defense. You're going to connect your winger. You got to connect your 12 and there's a lot going on. And, and teams nowadays with, with so many option runners, um, you've got to make these split decisions uh, like really fast. Mm. And, if you don't make the correct one, you're exposed. So um, maybe, like, obviously it wasn't, uh, you know, it was last minute and maybe that's good. Maybe it's good that they were in that scenario yesterday and they Mm. they have identified that something that that needs to be um, addressed and that we give these lads time and, um, you know, but it's a bit of both really, to be honest. Yeah,
1: no, that's fair. On uh, the back row, I mean, I I don't know if anyone in the Irish pack really stamp their authority all over the game in the way that we've become used to in recent months. But Doris at six, Conan at eight, Peter Manny on the bench, Van der Fleer obviously at seven. Uh, the point was made that Doris, who has been as good as any eight in the world of late, at six, he's not involved enough, I suppose, to... No,
0: I, I just think he... Doris that we know and love and his footwork and his ability to offload and even as a passing ability, like, it comes out much more at eight. I think when he went back to eight and Omani came on Mm. and he went back to the
1: the balance was back
0: the balance was back yeah and i think you know there's always an argument you put doris at six and you move someone else into eight and you know you can do that but i think like when you have a world-class player like doris why do we play why would we play him out of position like well it's
1: it's funny i was talking to someone who knows the the back row situation very well. I won't, <laughs> I won't name him, but, uh, you know, he's, he's he's played there himself. And I was, I was just trying to get that sense of like, do do the coaching ticket almost, do they want to get Conan into the side somehow? And that's part of it. And uh, his sense was that if, if Conan was playing better, O'Mahony might struggle, that Conan is more explosive. He's younger. He's a better ball carrier. You get more go forward ball. You get over the gain line. And so on some level, the coaching ticket want him in there. But if it's if it's if if, if getting him in there is going to weaken the balance, then they might just have to go at what they have. That was his read.
0: Yeah, and I think. Yeah, that's like, yeah, they probably do want him in there. And like, he's probably not Conan at his best at the moment. But if he was and we know what Conan can do and maybe they're backing him to get into form and. You, you like coaches will, will, will give players that opportunity sometimes, but um Doris if, then it's so If it's at the expense
1: some, of Doris, then it's maybe not. Yeah, which yeah.
0: is you know, you got and I suppose they're trying to balance what fits the back row as well. And it's not always as simple as like the three whatever like they'll have their different strengths and what but I I think Yeah, like they're probably trying to get him in there and he is younger and he is and they're probably trying it out. But I I thought Van Der Fler did well and like he got a good offloads off and he's carrying well and you know, not obviously Van der Fler a of World Rugby player of the year territory, but um yeah, it's interesting debate and I think I just think, as I said, Doris looks more at home at eight and he, he just he looks more free and more um able to do what he's great at. Mm.
1: The tight head injury crisis looks to be eased by the fact that Furlong, it seems, is going to be fit for Murrayfield. Uh, Balem looked of a serious injury. Tom O'Toole's done very well. In fairness to him, now he didn't scrummage once against France, but he he, he got some scrums yesterday and and is good in the loose. So he's kind of done reasonably all right for what third man at this stage.
0: Yeah, uh, I suppose. Yeah, if Furlong doesn't come back, that's the issue. I suppose that is the issue. Who's on the bench then if O'Toole starts? I don't know, Salanoy yeah. or uh, I am no scrum expert and prop expert, so I, I Salinone, I don't know, I'm not sure, like, yeah. but um that I suppose is maybe some little bit of a concern if Furlong doesn't come back into the side. Um but I think I, I like I really like the narrative that Andy Farrell has created about um the injuries and how he's going about it. It's it's just he's seeing every bit of adversity as a challenge and taking it by the scruff of the neck and saying look we'll work with it and you know there's kind of this relaxed I don't mean relaxed in the sense that they're doing nothing but relaxed in the sense that we can go with this and anything that um, comes against we're able to deal with and I think that's really really important like, I think mm. you're going to have things happen to players and in a World Cup and like it was great for Byrne to play that game yesterday and he's playing flatter to the line he's finding holes to put players through and I think he'll get great confidence from Stewart in Ireland, true, especially true an unsteady time there yeah. yesterday when there's four points in it. He gets the penalty. I know it's right in front of the post, but it's the pressure moment. And I think
1: and, and it must um, it must cross. It must cross Burns mind and Casey's mind. Oh, my God, if we lose in Rome, I'm in big trouble. You know, akin to Jack Carty in the World Cup in 19, even if it was only for a millisecond, I guarantee it crossed Burns mind on the pitch. Got this four points in it. We better not bloody lose this. And yet there was no sign. <laughs> there was no sign of panic, which is a lovely thing. He has that experience now, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and look, I don't know. I would have those things would have come into my head. Playing, I, I don't know. Like you would try and battle them away, and they're only human. So maybe yes, it, it did come in. I don't know. Maybe they're they're more what's the word? Um Moment Mentally tough than that. Yeah. I I are resilient. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. Um, say, I'm
1: not saying he was thinking about it when he was like. Passing no, the ball to but someone, it, but just millisecond, millisecond. Of, yeah, oh, there's four yeah, points on a it here.
0: Doubt, and I think the doubt is there in every sports person's mind. I think it's what drives everyone on. So, yeah, like potentially. And I think, um, you know, it's interesting then, I think, um, how he did. Like he put it over, he steered them through and they got out like, you know, essentially maybe a little bit of a rough patch where actually we're coming into the game, finding a bit of momentum and, you know, he gets through the game. He starts for Ireland. They win, and in the end, win with a good margin. Um, I suppose it's interesting. You know, Murray did very well when he came on. Mm. I think um, there was a lot of talk before that Murray's very slow at the base of the rook, but I think he's kind of shown, um, especially in the last game, that he's he's quicker. He's quicker than he was. He's sniping around the rooks like we used to see. He came on. He made something happen, and I think. Casey and Jemison Gibson-Park are, are are similar in that they're, you know, they go for quick speed ball and quick rook ball. And I think Murray then is a bit different. So do you go for, you know, Jemison Gibson-Park and Murray because they're different or do you go for two quite the same? Um, so, but I thought Murray did well. And, um, no, it was, it was, like, Italy played well. And I think... Um, They'll be disappointed with some maybe aspects of their game, maybe their, yeah. their game management at times, but like it was a crack of game and I think, um, you know, Ireland have have parts to improve. Yeah, sure. Um, as I said, like, you know, they're just a little bit vulnerable at times from when a team that plays unpredictable.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe that's always a bit tricky. On the the Murray-Gibson Park-Casey point you mentioned, so I think Gibson Park is fairly obviously uh, nailed on to start. Like The way that that is always pitched is, well, if you want uh, more spark and more tempo and maybe someone to come on and and inject something into the game, geez, you want Casey, especially if you're behind. But maybe if you're ahead and you need someone to see the game out, you want Murray to come on. problem is you don't know before the game starts what position you're going to be in. So uh, how do you balance that? Murray can definitely argue, hey, I made something happen yesterday, so maybe that's good for him.
0: Yeah, like, um, I think, I think Murray's even probably taken the feedback from the coaches that he's got. And he's like, he's changing his game again. Like there was a long, you know, when he was playing maybe a year or two ago, he was like, obviously he had to follow the game plan, but he was box kicking a lot. He was slower, but he's taken obviously that feedback that, you know, that he had to be. And he does bring control, but he's, like, we remember Murray of old when he'd be sniping around the rook and taking people on, and I, you see that coming back in him where you hadn't seen that in, mm. in quite a while. But why? Like, he's he's striking off that quick rook ball, and I think... But he does, he's able to... He's such experienced, he's, he's over 100 caps, he's able to know when to control that tempo of the game when it needs be, and Jemson Gibson-Park, obviously, is the preferred nine, and, you know, he plays the way he does. So, yeah, it's hard to know, like, you know they obviously probably will always start, that's what I just think, Jims and Gibson yeah. Park and then have Murray there. But um, yeah, like Murray's doing well and he's, he's like he's adapted. I think it's a sign of a great player. Like he's a, he's a great player and um, he's got a lot of flack over the last while. And I think he's just shown everyone the class of player that he is, that he can come back and be better again and adapt because that's what you have to do in modern rugby. The game is always changing and, you're always getting to be in competition with someone, you know, so credit where credit is due.
1: OK, Alison, we are just out of time. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it.
0: No, have a good evening. Bye Cheers.
1: Well. Alison Miller there with her thoughts on uh, the weekend thus far. Rugby on uh, Off the Ball is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.
0: OTB Sports
1: Rugby. The Ross at tens Probably the media were a bit harsh on another over the last few years because from what I saw inside the doors, someone who's calm and, and can make plays happen Everyone, I think, is really comfortable with him.
0: Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now.